1: what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty is charged podcast this is another segment of the more you know the 49ers edition and joining me to do that is a good friend of the show mr rob loader who is a fellow blue wire podcaster fellow central valley resident as well so really excited about this one (laughs) rob thanks for taking the time to join me tonight man how are you doing
2: i'm good dude i mean it's it's my friday because we get veterans day off and Are you still planning on going to the Clovis West game? I know we're both, (laughs) at least we talked about both trying to go watch some playoff football tonight. So, and the weather's cooling down. I mean, I'm good, man. I'm great. I'm great.
1: Yeah. It was, it was a little weird. So I went and uh, did a college tour today and we took some kids up to UC Merced. Shout out to Merced. And uh, I'm in like this nice little jacket and I thought that was going to be good, but it was like (laughs) the whole campus is shaded and it was like actually kind of cold. So it was a, Good changeup. Like I've said on the show before, we don't have a fall here in the Central Valley. We just go straight from summer to winter. Uh pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, you know, I'll take it. It's not ninety-eight degrees anymore. So it's been fun. Um, no, I but, mean it's
2: yeah. Especially coaching like coaching football. I it's like I can't even tell you how much more fun it is <laughs> during this time of year. Like it's it's unbelievable. Like you You grind through all of summer and the 110 plus just to get to this moment so it's been it's been nice
1: and then right as the weather starts cooling down the season's over you know right
2: exactly (laughs) you wish they would just bump it back just a little bit
1: right right um but obviously you know uh excited for this conversation in general right you know me and you have been messaging for a few weeks from now um obviously this game being on sunday night football um you know adds an extra element to it so Um, Should be a lot of fun. I I always like to start uh, these conversations just kind of doing, you know, a a, a conversation about, you know, the coaches and and kind of where they're at. So we've kind of seen Kyle Shanahan, obviously head coach of the Niners since 2017, get into this kind of transitional phase every single year. It feels like he's losing guys (laughs) from his coaching staff. And, you know, I, I, you know, looking it up this week, uh, you know, I didn't realize that it was 14 different coaching hires this offseason after, You know, losing the the various coaches that they have, obviously, Mike McDaniel and and Robert Sala and just that whole crowd. So what's been the how has this new addition of Kyle Shanahan's staff kind of gelled and what's that process been like for him uh, from your eyes as we've kind of gone through the midway point of the season?
2: Well, there's and and maybe it's like this for any NFL team, but we always joke about how the fact that the 49ers have found some weird way to always keep it interesting. And like no matter what, they're always in flux, whether it's good or bad. And this year, the coaching staff was one of the biggest changes. I mean, and we've seen it in the teams. I mean, I guess the core is always going to be Kyle Shanahan. He's seen as like the nucleus. Everybody's still trying to figure out how much Mike McDaniel meant to him. Uh, Because, obviously, he's having a ton of success in Miami. Things look like they're going great for him. Um, But it's just kind of – it's like every offensive struggle the 49ers have, someone wants to mention Mike McDaniel. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because Kyle and Mike have been together for, I want to say, like 15 years, something ridiculous. Literally, Mike was with him every step of the way, and this is the first time they've separated. So you're never really knowing what to expect. That being said, I think it's still pretty clear that Kyle knows what he's doing when it comes to play calling and scripting and putting stuff together. D'Amico Ryans has developed quite the reputation for himself. Uh, But again, it's, it's always hard to just get a gauge on what this team is fully capable of. And I know Chargers fans and the Chargers community can relate to what I'm about to say. But injuries just constantly toy with this team in, mm-hmm. the, in in either incredibly significant ways with the quarterback position, or you know one will drop here and there. You know, like they lost their 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 other starting cornerback and Emmanuel Mosley, and then obviously Chargers are worrying about their own cornerback injuries themselves. But it's like you never really understand what the 49ers are truly capable of, and I guess this is just football because everything's in flux, whether it's the coaching staff, the roster, injuries, turnover. I mean there's maybe two players left from pre 2017 uh, it's it's like eric armstead and jimmy ward and eric armstead's not on the field right now and jimmy ward's playing with a a club on his hand so mm-hmm. it, in terms of just just the overall like you never know what to expect with this team they could get de- annihilated by the chiefs which i guess isn't saying much and then they can go <laughs> out and a lot, annihilate the rams twice in a row you just you never really know what is what
1: yeah, that, that 2017 conversation is is interesting because uh up until a few weeks ago, the only members of the San Diego Chargers still on this team were Joey Bose and Keenan Allen. And then the Chargers went out and uh brought back Jeremiah Atauchu for whatever reason. So <laughs> I now was a it's a big up to Atauchu three.
2: fan. I was a big Atauchu fan. I liked him coming out of the draft too
1: yeah obviously wish we you know would have been able to to hit on that one but you know i remember there was a lot of draft love for him that particular year so um i want to move a a little bit to the quarterback position conversation here and um just a a really weird circumstance throughout the the whole offseason with jimmy g but you know i don't want to rehash all of that obviously but you know he's back he's on a reduced contract How has Jimmy played, in your opinion? Is it more of the same? Has he made some kind of adjustment with, you know, essentially being kind of taking a backseat to Trey Lance, or is he really just the same old Jimmy G that we've, you know, kind of come uh, accustomed to seeing?
2: I think think it would be unfair to say that it's like the same old Jimmy Garoppolo, because the running joke with Jimmy G is 90% of his passes don't travel further than five to 10 yards down the field at max. And we always had this joke of if the ball travel, if the camera has to pan to go to where the ball is traveling to, everybody kind of holds their breath because you have no idea what to expect <laughs> with, with, with a Jimmy Garoppolo throw. But this year has been different. It's it, And you can understand why it would be. There's a little bit of a weight lifted off his shoulders he's playing essentially on a one year deal it is a one year deal he can't be franchise tagged he, the trade has to be approved by him he's basically you know in this glorified audition for every other NFL team or the 49ers again i mean i would i would say that isn't a possibility but i also said it wasn't a possibility that Jimmy Garoppolo would be on the field in a 49ers jersey right now so um but he seemed yeah. better he seemed a little bit more improved you know statistically he's He's a little better than he usually is. You know, he's almost to like a three to one touchdown to interception ratio. And that doesn't paint the whole story, but he's clearly been more aggressive. Uh, he's Brandon. Ayuk is being fed targets on a much more consistent rate. The ball is flying further downfield than we're really used to. And even if it's not complete, and I'm sure you can relate to this. You just want to see them do it. You know, whether it's complete or not, just the threat of throwing the ball downfield is something they've got to do. And they've yeah. done it way more often this year. So it's, I wouldn't say Jimmy's lit it up, but at the same time, he's been a little more aggressive and it's been good to see. And I would say that he's still prone to one or two of those. That's a Jimmy Garoppolo throw every game where you're like, how on earth did he not see that? But yeah, I, in the end, I guess that's just quarterbacking in the NFL, but I I think it would be unfair to say this is just the same old Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been a little more, a little more free.
1: Interesting. All right. So I'm curious here, did I get your thoughts? Because uh, I still think that the Niners win this division, um, you know, potentially make another deep playoff run. If they do, like, what are you doing with Jimmy G at that point? If you go through this again, where maybe you win a couple playoff games, or maybe you just win the one playoff game, like, how do you go back to Trey Lance, if you are again, successful, not maybe NFC championship, but I'm just kind of curious what happens with Trey and Jimmy if the Niners do win the division, they make you know a playoff run, they win a playoff game. Right. What happens at that point?
2: It's almost like you can like see it happening. Like it's nothing's guaranteed, but you could just see the 49ers doing that again. And they've obviously put themselves in a position where they have to go through and and not win every game from here on out, but they've got to win the majority of them. I'd probably say you know 80 percent of what what's left. I don't know where they go from there, to be honest. And you got to feel for Trey Lance because the guy didn't get to play his final year in college because of COVID. He played that one game. And then I felt like the 49ers were doing everything right. I felt it was perfectly acceptable uh, to let him come in and spend a season behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Why not? Like, if you can afford a quarterback that luxury, why not? And and then it it was the absolute worst-case scenario where he's finally in his time in the batter's box and he breaks his ankle which is yeah. not common now should have should Kyle have been running Trey in between the tackles I don't know but if you watch Trey Lance in college like That's the what dude he did. Ran, ran for well over a thousand yards like yeah it it never shocked me that Kyle was willing to do that it's just a freak injury like how often a running backs now now a running backs a different body but how often are guys just breaking their ankle on a football field it just doesn't happen that often so He's Trey Lance is in the worst case scenario. And the 49ers are confronted with him being in his third year of his contract and having played like four games in three years. Yeah. So you would have to think they've got to find some way. And I don't think anybody would fault them for this to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around because, and yes, they might be willing to give the keys back to Trey Lance, which no one would blame them for, but like, it's, you have to have an insurance policy at this point. It's, he, you just don't know what you have in him. And it was the same thing as the beginning of this year. You have a roster that's so good that it would be doing them a disservice if you just kind of were like, well, it's Trey or we're all going down.
1: Yeah. You know no. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just such a tough, tif- tough spot to be in because you'd have to pay Jimmy and then a lot you'd of also have to, you'd have to pay him a lot of money. And then you'd also yeah. have to be considering, you know, an extension for Trey Lance at the end of the season. So, that's They're in a uh... tough
2: spot, and I do not have an answer for it because <laughs> if, if Jimmy Garoppolo continues to play, let's just say he continues playing how he is right now. I mean, at this pace, you what have you, you, played seven games and he's thrown 11 touchdowns and four interceptions. I mean, if you just did the basic, like, lazy extrapolate that over a season, you've got a guy who's playing pretty good quarterback play. Like, a lot of teams would be interested in him, and there would be plenty mm-hmm. of teams bidding for him. It would be tough for the 49ers to keep him on the roster. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's get to this uh, new shiny toy that the 49ers have in uh, Christian McCaffrey. I'm I am so incredibly nervous about this 49ers rushing attack. And I mean, I don't know if Elijah Mitchell is coming back, but sounds like Debo's is going to be back as well. Um, so what did you see against the Rams of how this team used Christian McCaffrey uh, in that really the first full time game with him
2: uh, against the Rams? I mean what didn't you see is probably <laughs> the best way of saying it. it. I mean the dude rushed for a touchdown, he threw a touchdown and he caught a touchdown and it even the 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 touchdown he caught wasn't like a gimme, you know. He went yeah. streaking down the sideline and went up and got it and it, the scary thing is is obviously McCaffrey has always been like 90% of the Panthers offense and on a Panthers team that was never that great. So have we not even seen what Christian McCaffrey is fully capable of in an offense that one has other threats and two is quarterbacked by Kyle Shanahan in a way. So I, I don't think there's really any limitations to what McCaffrey can do in this offense. I think Kyle Shanahan is just salivating at it. And you saw what they traded to get him. You know, a lot of people were like, wow, that's a lot. But then instantly they're probably like, yeah, they probably should have paid more because he just yeah. came in and just lit it up. Luckily I had him on my fantasy team, which is nice. I got nice. a couple of chargers on my fantasy <laughs> team too. Um so it, it really I don't think we've fully seen it. You know, that was after right. a week and a half of being on the team. You know, I don't I, the big thing that I think is gonna the probably the biggest beneficiary is Jimmy Garoppolo, knowing that he can survey the field, go through his reads, knowing in the back of his head that he's probably got McCaffrey in some sort of flat or just, you know, on a screen, um, to don't dole it out to at any point, And that could still be a big play, even though it could be a third or fourth option. He's always got that in his head that he's got McCaffrey there now. And it's, it's interesting. And what, you know, I was at the game when he played his first snaps in, in a 49ers uniform and it just, a player of that caliber stands out. Like when Austin Eckler makes plays, you, he stands out among NFL players. It just, yeah they're they're just built different it looks different and that's how McCaffrey looked on on the field was just not like the others I guess you could say
1: yeah absolutely I I so I went back and watched that uh Rams game before we uh you know we're preparing for our show this week and I swear there were like 15 Texas choice routes with Christian McCaffrey (laughs) last week in that game and and they didn't throw it to him every single one, right? But he was open on every single one. And, and he has to just be accounted like, for. Right, right. And Now it just gives them, you know, it gives defenses such a different element to prepare for. And Elijah Mitchell was, you know, a thousand yard rusher last year. But like you said, it's just different with him. And he gives you that extra weapon that, you know, they didn't really have in the passing game out of the backfield. So, I'm uh, very nervous, and again, I think that's just uh, another reason why I think the Niners could really make a push here if uh, things go well for them.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely an, an interesting element, and when someone, it, I think a lot of people, Christian McCaffrey was made into almost this just fantasy superstar, but there, I don't think a lot of people realize what it really means to rush for over a thousand and catch for over a thousand in the NFL. Like that's right. just unbelievable production. I don't know what, what kind of run Austin Eckler's on. I'm assuming receiving, he'd probably be a little bit less than a 1,000. Um, but it's just it's weird to watch a player do those things on the NFL. I, have, In terms of what he brings against the Chargers, it's just that's the issue with him is you can't tell me that he's only going to beat you on the ground because that's only half of what he does. And I don't think the Chargers are known for being a particularly good defense against the run, correct?
1: That is very correct unfortunately. So,
2: yeah, it, and, and, but that's again it, is that how he's going to beat you? That's how the 49ers want to beat you for sure. As a whole, that's what the offense wants to do. We used to always have this 35 carry threshold. The 49ers will win the game if they carry the ball 35 times, you know. It was just a stat that I kind of built up for myself last year. Um that's what they want to do, but with Christian McCaffrey, you know, maybe throwing it isn't so bad if if he's the <laughs> one you're throwing it to. So, Right. 49ers are in this interesting transition right now where they're still very much a rushing team like you when you asked about Jimmy Garoppolo it seems like they're much more willing to sling it around a little bit given the people they've got he's got so many targets to throw it to why not
1: yeah absolutely and you know we'll, we'll talk uh about the Chargers run defense and how bad it is on on uh your show after this but <laughs> um it's just this is a really bad matchup for the Chargers defense and they're really going to have to come out with their a game so uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum is the 49ers defense which is just like unfair man like every single one of their players just plays with their head on their hair on fire and you know Fred warner and Nick boson and talona Hufanga, and it's just been it's a really fun unit to watch and'm I'm, I'm very very jealous in that regard but um in your opinion what what who's kind of the engine of this 49ers defense because i know that obviously Nick Bosa's are arguably like a defensive player of the year candidate when healthy but To me, like when I watch Fred Warner, man, like I, again, I just watch somebody who's different back there and, you know, in an era that doesn't really value linebackers all that much to me, Fred Warner is just like, he gives them such a big advantage for the level that he brings from that position.
2: And I would probably say it's gotta be Fred Warner because it's almost like despite having somebody like Nick Bosa, it's the defense seems like it goes how he goes and and mm-hmm. when nick when uh fred warner is struggling the defense is struggling when fred warner is off his game the defense is off their game and we saw against the chiefs and that you can exploit nick bosa if you want to it, it, because he's so aggressive and he's going to try to get into the backfield or get upfield every single play and he, if you don't want, and, and I get it, you don't want a guy like Nick Bosa holding off so he can read the run. That's just not what you want him doing. Yeah. So there's ways to exploit Nick Bosa and and alienate him and chip him in, in a way that you can't do for somebody like Fred Warner. He's in the second level of the defense. So you're not going to get to him as easy as as easily as you would a Nick Bosa. And once you've seen Fred Warner, who's – Fred Warner is a freaky guy to look at, you know, going to training camp and seeing him in person. Yeah. He's a lot of times when you see them list a player at six three, you're like, okay, so he's six two and a half. You know, <laughs> Fred Warner might be six three and a half. He's a huge human, and then he goes running down the field covering somebody like Marquise Brown, and you just don't understand yeah. what you're seeing. So I I agree with you in the fact that yeah, Nick Bosa could be the defensive player of the year if if things kind of turn up for him. But the 49ers defense runs through. Fred Warner. I mean, he's the guy with the green dot. He's the one calling the plays. He sets the tone. He's he's the vocal leader. He holds himself accountable if the, if things don't go well. It, it really is up to him. And I mean, of course it is. He's an all-pro linebacker. But at the same time, when you have that much talent on a defense, you always wonder who really moves the needle. And it's definitely him. And I think that if the 49ers are going to you know, you don't, I feel like despite the fact that the Chargers are down on weapons right now, and it doesn't look like Keenan Allen's trending to play, although Palmer's been pretty good himself. You know, he's holding up his end of the bargain, I guess you could say. It really does depend on how Fred Warner plays. The defensive front will help you stop the run, but everything beyond that, he just, it really is dictated by him, it's, which is weird to say about a linebacker. Coverage linebackers right. are a little rare. But he really does set the tone, and if if the 49ers are going to hold off somebody like Justin Herbert slinging the ball like he does, and if they're going to have a chance of reeling Austin Eckler in it, wherever he goes on his routes, it's probably going to be Fred Warner close behind.
1: Yeah, absolutely there. Um, In terms of the, the personnel, I have one more question here. Obviously, the, the 49ers secondary goes through some significant changes this year. Obviously, he leaves Kwan Williams, Jaquisky Tarr, guys who have been around for a long time you go out and uh sign a big uh contract corner in charvarius Ward how has uh the backside of the the 49ers defense kind of developed this year uh under D'Amico Ryan's and that leadership on defense
2: that was the biggest I think I you could call it a sign of encouragement the biggest thing to wonder how much it, there's always the age-old well, do you want pass rush or do you want coverage? You know, right. if you can get both, then you're at a sweet spot. And for the first time since they've been here, Kyle Shanahan and Dubico Ryan's got both. And, and Emmanuel Mosley was playing extremely well for an undrafted free agent guy that they kept around for another year. And Charvarius Ward was every was as as advertised. There was a point there in the season. He had a rough game against the Chiefs as most most teams do. Um but there was a point there where he was among the, the NFL leaders in terms of pass breakups, and I think yards allowed per route type of deal. He was doing really, really well, and you were seeing the 49ers defense that just was brutal because the coverage was sound and the pass rush was coming after him. little bit of some chinks in the armor. You know, Jimmy Ward got hurt, came back. Everybody's excited for that. Immediately got hurt, broke his hand, I believe, on the opening special teams play. Goodness. He's back out there playing with, you know, like a little bit of a club. Charvarius Ward was dealing with a groin injury against the Chiefs. That seems to be in the past. And then it's kind of whoever's playing, whoever's stepping up opposite him. That if to me, if I'm going to target someone in that defense, it's going to be the corner playing opposite Charvarius Ward, whether that's Deomador Lenore or that's if it's Ambry Thomas, you know, as much as he 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 essentially sent the 49ers to the playoff at the end of last season with a game ceiling interception, but he's the one that defenses are going to go after. And it seems like the 49ers haven't entirely figured out who is going to be the the guy opposite Charvarius Ward. And then obviously, I guess we can't really go any further without like uh, offering our football condolences to uh, to Jason Brett, can we?
1: I know, man. It's so sad. Like I said this on Twitter today, but one of the best corners I've ever seen when healthy, and uh, just. He's got like two ACLs, two Achilles, like a torn hamstring at this point. It's just it sucks, man. I hate to see it.
2: I know. He and he had that one season with the 49ers where anybody you put in front of him and obviously he's shown uh, with the Chargers just that clip of him, I think it's covering Antonio Brown where uh-huh. he flips his hip like hips like four times on the route. One of the coolest things I've ever seen. And he had that one season with the 49ers uh, I can't but remember if it was the year where they went to the Super Bowl, but he was just, I mean, he was locking right up DeAndre. Yeah. It, it, he was locking up DeAndre Hopkins. And it was just unreal how good he was. And it just, I can't imagine how frustrating is it, it is for him to just basically like your body is just against you. And he's probably Ish. not doing anything wrong in the world. He's probably seen every doctor he could see about preventing these types of injuries. And what type of diet he should have, and how he should prepare, and it still he just tears his Achilles in practice, man. I just it that's all I when I quote tweeted it on Twitter. All I wrote was just heartbreaking because yeah, it's just so brutal. He's an incredible talent, and and all he wants to do is play football, and he can't. And it's it sucks, man. Sometimes yeah. it's just it's just not very fair.
1: Rehabbing from one injury like that is hard, right? But all these other ones just stacking up. I, I just hope that he's able to have live like a healthy life at this point, you know, down the road. So
2: uh, Right. Right. At least he's gotten paid while he's, you know, sure. While he's been under these injuries and he has something to take from here. Cause you got to assume that this might be it for him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could have assumed that two sending season ending injuries ago, but I mean, and he just kept coming back and that just shows you how much he wants to play. His body is just having none of it. And it's, it sucks, man. It it really does. There's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of fake empathy out there, but it's impossible just not to feel gutted for the guy because it's clear he wants to do it. He just can't. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: I, uh, I, I think that's a good place to end this uh this portion of our conversation. <laughs> on, a, on a sad, on a sad uh sad no. note to uh, Jason Rat man. Uh shout out one of the great, you know, Chargers, what ifs and Niners as well. So uh Rob, thanks for joining me tonight, man. Where can uh Chargers fans go find you if they want some good uh 49ers intel ahead of the game on Sunday night?
2: Well, that's the Twitter handle right there at Rob underscore louder and, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I it's funny doing a podcast thing like I try to tweet. I tweet a lot on game day, but every, all my other thoughts and feelings, I feel like I get out on the pod and I don't have to tweet them. So I'm a little lazy on Twitter these days, but I definitely shot one out for, uh, for Jason Bretts But that's, that's the Twitter handle right there. So if you're looking for the, the 49ers game day stuff, I suppose you could wander over there. There we go. Appreciate it. So
1: again, Chargers fans make sure and go check out the striking gold podcast on uh, wherever on whatever podcast platform you get your podcast so rob thanks so much man looking forward to it uh looking forward to the game and uh you know we'll chat in a little bit here on your show so uh that's gonna do it for us today guys we'll we'll uh talk to you soon
0: this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping